After frustration on draft night watching Trace Jackson Davis fall through the second round, we lose we learned some new information that adds a new perspective to it all. You are locked on Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. You are locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily IU podcast. We are part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Free and available anywhere you guys get podcasts, including over on YouTube. Uh, thanks for making us your first listen, as always, guys. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. There was a lot of frustration on draft night as we watched Trace just fall through the second round. We learned so, some interesting information, especially when it comes to the Pacers and why he is not on uh, the Indiana Pacers like a lot of people thought he would be. We're going to talk that and, uh, and do a little bit more ana- analysis, excuse me, on uh, him and Jalen's fit with their new teams. To do that, we brought in a old friend of the show. Been way too long since we've had you on here, bud. Jared Gostul. Jared, what uh, what was just kind of your reaction on, on Thursday to see a couple new Hoosiers join the NBA? Um, well, my first reaction was that I was happy for you as a Lakers fan. Yes. Jalen. I was, I was, I, that was, that was my initial thought was just to be happy for you to enjoy that. Um, uh, my second thought was then, okay, when is Trace going? My third thought is he's better than every single player that's been picked for the last about 25 to 30 picks now. Um, and then he tweeted angrily and then both of our teams passed on him again in the second round. Uh, and then he got his moment, which made me really happy. Um, and we'll obviously get into that a little bit. Um, but listen, our, our guys got their moments. Um, couldn't, couldn't be happier for them. Uh, and just, just excited to talk fit and see, see where they go from here. Yeah. I I talked on Friday's episode that a lot of my frustration around trace is I, I just wanted him to have a moment where he was drafted. He had the party in Indianapolis, which, there was video that came out of him being drafted, and I'm glad he was, even if it was the second to last pick, because he got to have that moment of having everybody cheer for him, getting to put on the Warriors hat, um, just getting to celebrate, even if it was after some frustration. And we learned some context behind uh, his tweet that you mentioned, and and I mentioned it on uh, Thursday, or I mentioned it Thursday night on Friday's episode, uh, that about midway through the second round of the draft, he, he tweeted out, I'm trying to bring, bring it up right now, but it was a very, uh, you'll regret this. Yeah, y'all will regret this, I promise you. What we learned is uh, that wasn't just at the fact he was falling through the second round. So let, let's look at the, the context of this. So I think a lot of us, myself included, thought that Trace Jackson Davis and the Pacers made sense. And it, Sounded like the Pacers were interested in Trace Jackson Davis. But when it got to the point in the second round where the Pacers had shot after shot after shot at drafting him, uh, even late in the first round, they pass on him with the 22nd pick, but then they had the 34th and 56th picks and did not draft him with either one. 
we learned that the Pacers wanted their second round picks to agree to two way deals because their uh, their roster stands at 15, which is the most you can have. Trace didn't want to sign a two way deal if he was drafted. The Pacers asked him. He said no. And they said, all right, we're not going to pick you. Trace knew that there was a team out there or teams that were going to offer him more than the two-way deal. He knew that the Warriors were were very interested in him. and But it wasn't just the Pacers that were asking him to sign a two-way deal. It was a number of teams calling during that second round, and they were putting it out there, Trace and his camp, that we're not signing a two-way deal. Draft us and give us an actual contract, which is what led to that angry tweet, is that nobody wanted to give him an actual contract until the Warriors uh, officially traded it up into the draft. They weren't initially supposed to pick 57th, but they get the pick from the Wizards. They draft him at 57, and to prove Trace right, he gets a three-year deal, of actual NBA contract, three-year deal with the Warriors, despite being the second last, second to last pick. I mentioned this uh, on Friday that it doesn't really matter what number is next to his name, that the fit mattered more and the fact that this team valued him. So what is your kind of thoughts on him uh, slipping through the second round and landing? And what is a good situation for him in Golden State? I mean, this couldn't be a better spot for him, right? It's a it's a good organization that knows how to treat its players right, that has tremendous success taking people from the bottom of the first round, second round, drafting, developing them, giving them real roles, real minutes. Um, we, you know, you and I sort of talked about uh, on draft night how this could not have been a better spot for him, given. Uh, what the front court looks like in Golden mm-hmm. State. Um, you know, he's really just got a, a you know, obviously some things depend on what happens with or without Draymond. Um, personally, I wouldn't actually mind them bringing Draymond back because I don't think there could be a single better player in the NBA for him to learn from. A guy who never developed a jump shot, never really had any interest in developing a jump shot, but consistently has been the plus player for Golden State, the X factor. Um, You know, it it could not be a better person for him to learn from. So I hope they bring Draymond back because that would be really, really good for Trace's development, I think, to learn from him. If not, regardless, that opens up a lot of minutes in the front court. Uh, Really just, I think, really behind Kevin Looney. And you know how Golden State likes to play small ball, so Trace at the five would make a ton of, ton of sense. He's a fantastic ball screener, um, which is 80% of the offense that they run in Golden State. He's going to be able to run the rim, get rebounds aggressively. um, And especially with Golden State, the good thing about them is when teams try to beat them and when they try to beat other teams, they go small and force other teams to go small. So he's not going to be, you know, he's not going up against Jokic for the most part. Um, He's not going up against... You know, forget Jokic. Even got a guy like Joseph Nurkic on the on the the on the Blazers. Mm-hmm. You know, just he's not going to be going up against these dudes who are seven two, three hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, that that that's not the system that they're going to set him up with. They're not a team that's going to set him up for failure. So, could not be happier with this landing spot for him. Yeah, and as a as we mentioned, as I mentioned, kind of in my initial reaction to this. 
all things considered, I don't know that there's a team that's a better fit for his play style. It's just the Warriors had a pick in the first round and then it looked like it was done. So when he didn't go to them in the, excuse me, in the first round, I, I thought that opportunity had passed, but they really liked him and trading up to get a guy is a, obviously a great indicator of, of, that you, you want that player. Also giving him a three-year contract as a number 57 pick is as well. Their front court is barren right now. It is Kevon Looney. It is Jonathan Kaminga, who is built just entirely different to Trey Jackson Davis. Those two can probably play together more than they'll be competing for minutes. And then it is, that's it. <clears throat> Draymond Green may, may not come back. I presume he will come back. And so, as you said, there might not be a single player that it would be a better mentor for him than Draymond. They have similar trace has a similar skill set to Draymond in that, as you said, no jumper. He's a, a good playmaker, a good screen setter can read the game well and can play well enough defensively to hold up in those small ball lineups. Uh, you trace can learn from Draymond on how to read the game, how to put yourself in a position to still have success despite being someone that doesn't have a jumper. There was a brief stretch where Draymond was kind of a jump shooter. It was mainly just like game seven of the 2016 finals. But outside of that, he's not someone that teams, especially at this point in his career, they don't guard him. So Trace can learn. They're not going to guard him early on. Trace can learn how to take advantage of that. And the other point is this is a team that runs a ton of ball screens or not even just ball screens, just screening actions. And Trace, and, and maybe an underrated skill of his, one we didn't discuss on here a lot, is his ability to set screens and how good he is at it. So he's going to be setting screens for Steph Curry, for Chris Paul, and for Clay Thompson, among others. There are not three better guys to learn how to be a screener for, for than those three. Those are three of the best guards kind of coming off ball screens. So this is a terrific situation for him. It came with some frustration on draft night, but if you'd have told me at the end of the night that Trace would be on the Warriors, I'd have been thrilled, regardless if it came with the 57th pick or not. He's going to get playing time. They value him, and he's going to, as he said, he's going to make a lot of teams regret passing on him. It, I'm really excited to see what he does with Golden State. You have any kind of last thoughts on that or anything about him? Going wish out to we, California? No, wish he was on my favorite team. Can't wait to yeah. can't wait to see him in Pacific Standard Time. It's all yeah. that matters. It's all, it's all that matters is that Trace got Trace, Trace got what he needed. He got what he wanted. He got what he needed, and I'm, I'm I'm just really really happy for him. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, exactly. I think all IU fans are just excited to see him drafted. The flip side to all this is that Jalen Hutchinson. There was no doubt that he was going to be drafted on Thursday. He goes to the Lakers. Again, found out some some more information that makes this even more exciting for him. We'll talk about that here in a minute. First, baseball season is in full swing. There's no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash lock on to join today. 
don't miss out on your chance to snag the no sweat first bet. You can bet on the uh, Reds to win because they're doing that a lot. You can bet on the Yankees to not win even. Uh, so whatever it is, there is no risk because it is at no sweat first bet. Uh, when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of major league baseball, uh, major league baseball trademarks used with permission. Big thanks to you guys <clears throat> for making us your first listen every single day, every day is this week on the show. We'll do some more season recaps and start to kind of look forward towards next season we're getting into the into the middle of the summer we also have some recruiting updates as always during these summer months let's talk Jalen Huchifino who went number 17 to the Lakers um I know that's the enemy team to to most fans especially Indiana uh basketball fans but I'll try to spin this in a good way because this is this seems like a great for Jalen Huchifino he I, I didn't know this beforehand. It kind of makes sense in hindsight. He grew up a huge Kobe Bryant fan. He talked to the media after being drafted Thursday night and spoke about how big of a Kobe fan he is, or is, was, has been. Despite growing up in Pittsburgh, Kobe was his favorite player. He watched Kobe all the time. And I say it makes sense in hindsight because if you go back and watch the video he tweeted out or posted Whenever he committed to IU, he's wearing a Kobe jersey the whole time, and he committed on Kobe Day, which is 8-24, August 24th. So he's not just talking the talk. He's walked the walk before then. He grew up a Lakers fan, a Kobe fan. He was sounded absolutely thrilled, excited to get to go to the Lakers. He could not have picked a worse color suit to wear, despite – or when being drafted by the Lakers, that green suit was, it was a choice already. And then he went to the one team where they were going to not like that. But outside of his uh, choice in suit, what was your reaction to, to Jalen going to the Lakers? Um, it, it, it wasn't a shock at all. Um, there was, you know, the, the Lakers did a pretty good job of keeping their pre uh, their pre-draft workouts pretty quiet, but I thought it was a little bit interesting that he was one of the names that was very much out there. Um, it's a good, it's a good fit. He's a great basketball player. Um, I don't know how he slots in immediately. That's more of a question for you, given your, your knowledge of the Lakers lineup, but I just, I, I think it's a good fit. I, my only concerns are if, the Lakers do the Laker thing where they want to make a win now move, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, if you want to talk, you know, long-term fit, this is fantastic. Jalen Huchifino is going to be a fantastic NBA player for a very, very long time. Um, working with, you know, in the now, working with a guy like Anthony Davis who can set him a screen, either roll to the rim, sit back, pop a three, pop a jumper from the elbow, you know, gives – Hood Shafino, so many options. And as much as we love Trace and as much as we would do anything for him, you know, it made things a little bit hard on Jalen Hood Shafino in college with Trace being the primary ball screener and everyone knowing where Trace was going. He wasn't sitting at the elbow. He yeah. wasn't sitting out for a three. He was running to the rim and so was Jalen. Um, so I, I think that really, really opens up a lot of potential for him, especially as 
a type of secondary ball handler in this offense. Um, you know, going out there, we know he's a bucket getter when he needs to be. We've all watched the Purdue game probably more than once. Um, <laughs> that that it, that little floater that he showcased that game because I, I watched a lot of the film after he was drafted just just because to throw a little smile on my face, um, and and that floater was on show that day yeah. i mean he was incredible but especially in that mid-range heading towards the basket hitting that little floater uh that's a shot that's going to be available for him in the nba and that's a shot that's going to make him a lot of money in the nba if he can find some consistency with it the three ball is what it is he's a 19 year old kid i, I development doesn't stop at 19 so i'm I, you know we can harp on him being a three-point shooter or not being a three-point shooter or not having hit what we thought he could be as a three-point shooter it doesn't matter he's a 19 year old kid uh no one knows what that what he's going to look like in three four years if that falls he's going to be you know that three ball is going to be the difference between him being a very very solid nba player for a very long time and him being a 150 200 plus million dollar player come his second third contract so um you know long term who knows what he projects as but i mean when we everything we saw this last year with his defense with his on-ball intelligence with his off-ball intelligence with his ability to get a big not just a bucket but a big bucket when you need it um these are traits that are going to keep him in the league for a very, very long time. I'm really excited to watch him play in this league. It's very, very different from Victor when we, when we had Victor come into the league. It's very, very different from when we had Romeo Langford come into the league as a, I think Romeo was like the 14th, 13th pick late lottery right around that same spot. And the ceiling for JHS is just so, so, so much higher than, 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 um, that then Romeo's was. And I'm just I'm just really excited to see him play, man. I'm I'm excited to see him play against this level of competition because it's one thing to pick on a guy like Zach Eady who can't move and has only beaten Indiana once the last two years and can't win in the tournament. But it's another thing when he's got to when he's got to hit that floater against, say, uh, you know, I hate to bring this name up, but like a Rudy Gobert um, uh, against some someone who's going to anger that paint, who's a bit more mobile than a guy like Eady, but. Man, he's gonna be fun in Los Angeles, and I'm really happy that he he got to go to a place that he very clearly wanted to be. Something that that you mentioned, and something I've talked about, and talking about Jalen Huchifino at a number of places uh, over the last couple of days, is how much he's gonna benefit from spacing in the NBA. And to your point about Trace was an incredible screen setter, but there was one direction he was going after setting those screens. And it was to the rim. And if you watch, I mean, everybody watched IU, but specifically watch when Jalen comes off the screen and Trace is rolling, there are five guys around the rim because everybody knows where that ball is going to, like where option one of where that ball is going is. And that's what led to all those mid-range jumpers for Jalen Huchifino. He's going to excel having two, three, four, yeah, maybe even four guys he can kick out to for three pointers coming off those ball screens. He had one in Miller cop this year and never really any more than that. Tamar Bates had like a couple games, but that was it. And so that was one of the things I noted, just kind of looking at his tape again and kind of applying it to the NBA is that he was incredible in the pick and roll at IU. 
And now he's going to be able to add things to that just by the nature of not having five guys with a foot in the paint. And so I'm really excited to just see that part. As you said, he has Anthony Davis there, who is another great screen setter and another great versatile uh, offensive big man. I would imagine Jalen's probably going to be, not probably, he's going to be the backup point guard or kind of a backup guard. LeBron runs with the second unit a lot. And I would imagine there's going to be a fair amount of Jalen and LeBron pick and rolls. And if you want to talk about a guy who can do a bit of everything as a role man, whether it's shoot three, short roll, get to the rim, whatever that is, that's LeBron. And so that'll be fun to watch. But as you said, just seeing him kind of develop there, the ceiling is really, really high with him. If he can develop that jumper and kind of, stretch it out to the three-point line if that is the next step in his development then yeah he's going to be a really 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 good player in the NBA the Lakers are always an interesting situation and I mean they needed guard help they have another number of guys number of guards specifically that are going to be free agents so that is maybe part of the reason they drafted him but Odds are he's going to be third, fourth string guard. He's going to get minutes, but this is definitely a kind of a long-term play by the Lakers, which I don't hate. I mean, there's not, as I said on Friday, he's not going to have the pressure of needing to like carry a franchise in any sort of way, but he is going to have the pressure of needing to contribute to a contending basketball team. It's a different kind of pressure, but, I feel like he he can flourish in that. He's a, a big game player, and uh, we saw that a number of times, as you mentioned. But there's also going to be those rumors, and the Lakers are always in the middle of trade rumors, and Jalen's going to be one of the most tradable assets that they have. So we're going to see if he can kind of block that out as well because he's going to be discussed a lot, whether he excels or struggles. He's going to be in those trade rumors, so it's going to be an interesting situation for him, but it's one that I would imagine he wanted, like he probably wanted to be a Laker if you would have asked him going into draft night based on what he talked about afterwards, so there's excitement there as well that he gets to go to a team that, a franchise that he's been a fan of for a long time. Again, IU sending two guys to the draft, two guys to the NBA, Super exciting, and I kind of want to touch on that and the momentum behind this program uh, that Mike Woodson and his staff have built here in just a moment. So as we kind of zoom out and, and look big picture at the program right now, it's something we've talked a lot about on the show when it comes to recruiting, but this is kind of a different level. It's a different type of momentum because you have two guys that are drafted And especially, I think, when it comes to Jalen, having a guy be, I mean, almost a lottery pick, but going to the Lakers and having him on TV all the time, having him in that conversation, this just feels like, I I was trying to think back to when the last time it felt like we've had this much momentum as a program. It's been a while. Does it just feel like the, the program just has a different vibe to it right now? It does. Um, it, it, it feels like 
I guess the way to put it is it feels like now with Archie gone, the caretaker's gone. And we're, we're sort of, we've got a grown up in charge. Um, <laughs> I, You're not I, wrong. It's just, uh, God, I hated the Archie era so much. So, didn't we all? But uh, look, the big thing when we hired Mike Woodson, the big, big thing before he coached a game, before he recruited anybody, before anything, the first thing that, we and probably every Indiana insider, every Indiana adjacent person brought up was that he's coached in the NBA. He, that's a big selling point when you can go to recruits and say, look, I coached Carmelo Anthony. I, I coached Pete Carmelo Anthony. I coached Amare Stoudemire. Like, I know what it takes to make it in the league. I know how to develop you to become an NBA player. And now this is the first time that we can finally see a little bit of the fruits of that. Um do we know what they're going to translate to the NBA? Of course not. But this is the first time we've sent two guys to the league since Cody and Victor were lottery picks in, in 2013, I think it was. I mean, this is this is something that's new to us at this point. We, you know, we, the last, even during our peak years, you know, we weren't a, a, a Kentucky where we were sending four different guys to the league and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, who knows what they're going to be. Uh, but this is just such a great selling point for the program that we can just say, Hey, look, they're in the league now. We got the like, we got them there. Trace, Trace, again, for every good thing that he's done for this program, for every good thing, and I will never, ever, 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 ever say a bad thing about him, has always been a pretty one dimensional player when it comes yeah. to his offensive game. And his skill set is not something that's super in demand in the NBA. It, it just isn't these days. And to still be able to send a guy like that into the league, and not just a guy like that, a guy who's who's of legal drinking age. The NBA <laughs> doesn't like guys who can drink legally. They don't draft people who can legally drink. They don't draft people who can go to Kilroy's. They don't do that. So uh, to be able to show that, and also have a guy on the other end of the spectrum who's Jalen Hudshafino, who comes in, came in, I think in the preseason, I vaguely remember, you know, mock drafts having him right around the bottom of the lottery. And he held it, you know, he held firm throughout the whole, whole year, whole process. You know, he didn't drop off. He wasn't a guy who just sort of came out of nowhere. He's a guy that came into Indiana as a projected lottery pick, played one year of phenomenal basketball and left as as that borderline lottery pick so to see that sort of momentum carry over i think it's a big big selling point to recruits and i i have a little i have a little bit of a take i don't like i don't like that i have this take fire away i think these two will be better nba players than victor and cody were and that's that's with the hindsight of knowing what Victor's career has become, because obviously yeah. if Victor if Victor's one hundred percent healthy, multiple time All Star, that's you 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 just can't. It would be it would be offensive to compare anybody to that. But knowing what Victor's career has sort of become and looking at his career accolades, I don't think it's crazy to say that you know, Jalen Hood Shafino could be a player in that mold to get a big big second contract. Um, I don't think it's crazy to see that you know. Cody, Cody's, been, Cody's made a hundred million dollars in his NBA career, and he's never really been that impactful of an NBA player. Um, the Miami Heat will tell you differently after this year, rightfully so. But you know, I, I, Trace could 
easily become better than Cody was in the league or a more impactful player, given especially where he's drafted. It's one thing if he got drafted to a nightmare of an organization or he's stuck in a log jam behind three, four different guys. He's on a two-way contract. So he's going to be in the G League half the year. It's you know, That's not the case. He's going to come in and be a major impact player. And Cody's career probably goes a little bit differently if he doesn't wind up in that mess of an organization in Charlotte. But I, I could really see JHS and, and Trace, their careers surpassing Cody and Victor. I, I really could. I was just looking up how long the, those two have been in the league, how much money they've made. That's a it's a both a high bar, but also I don't know how much more either guy is going to be around. Uh, Cody was on the Heat. <laughs> he wasn't good for a lot of it at times, but he was on the Heat. Um, he's made about kind of rounding it somewhere around eighty five million dollars in his career. Vic has made around $120 million. But again, his latest injury, that's going to be really, really hard to come back from. But both those guys are 10-year veterans. And those two guys are uh, two of the – so IU has sent two guys to the NBA three times since 1994, so the last 30 years. It was DJ White and Eric Gordon in 08, Cody and Vic in 2013, and OG and Thomas Bryant in 2017. So this is now the fourth time, I guess, since 1994. It This feels a little bit different, and maybe this is some recency bias, but when Cody and Vic went, that felt really big, but then there was kind of nothing after that. Your next year was Noah Vonley, and I don't think anybody wants to remember Noah Vonley's time in Bloomington. And then... Nobody was drafted until OG and Thomas Bryant. And that didn't feel like this feels right now with Mike Woodson and the momentum that they're building in the uh, transfer portal on the recruiting trail and sending guys to the NBA. As you said, that was going to be the thing that when Mike Woodson came here was supposed to be the thing he was going to absolutely nail that like he could get, he knew what it took to get to the NBA and he can get guys to that point. I I think trace is a, the better example of that between the two of them, because as you said, trace is not a, he's not the type of guy that NBA teams generally like. He's a big man that can't shoot and is closer to being able to rent a car than a drinking age of 21. So that's not a draft-friendly type of prospect, and yet here he is still not just drafted, but as we've said, wanted by a team. So pair that with everything that they're doing on the recruiting trail. They were the coaching staff, members of the coaching staff were at the draft FaceTiming recruits saying, Hey, look where we're at. Like you can be the next one of those guys. And on the note of the next one of those guys, for the real sickos out there, the 2024 NBA mock draft, there is one out from ESPN and Jonathan Gavoni. I didn't know to, I didn't know it until you shared it to me. So I guess you're one of those uh, sickos. But Kalel Ware is projected the number 11 pick in the draft. Mackenzie Mbako is projected the number 31 pick, the first pick of the second round. 
So we're going to be right back in this uh, situation next season. And I think that's going to be the big thing now. If IU wants to keep building this momentum is if you look back at all those previous years, they when they sent two guys to the NBA, they followed it up by not really doing anything. DJ and Eric Gordon went, and then nobody was drafted until 2013 when Cody and Vic went, and then it was Vonley and nobody for the next couple seasons. OG and Thomas Bryant went. That was the Archie era. I think that <laughs> that says enough. So the, the challenge now is to keep building this momentum. And right now it's really early, but you're looking at a situation where, again, you're going to draft night. Two guys are going to be taken you continue building that momentum. So it's an exciting time to be an IU basketball fan. And it's been a while since we can say that we're really burying Archie in this podcast, but he deserves it. Uh, it's been a while since we could, we could really say that about IU basketball. I, I can't, couldn't be more excited that Mike Woodson is the one in charge and he has us pointed not just in the right direction, but just zooming in that right direction. So it, it it's going to be fun, exciting to see what the future holds, whether IU can make good on this 2024 recruiting class that they've made tons of inroads in with the top, top guys. This feels like this draft feels like a, a big springboard that you can use to, to really nail it, it, some of those commitments in that class. So Hopefully guys do commit, and if they do, we will have it here for you on Locked on Hoosiers. Thanks, as always, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every single day. Every day or this week on the show, we will have updates on recruiting. It's the summer. Guys are making visits. We'll get you the latest on who might be coming to Bloomington. Follow us on Twitter, as always. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. All of that great stuff. Appreciate the support, guys. And as always, Elio.